Welcome to the PCTR Podcast. I'm Robbie Itterberg, Senior Pastor. I want to thank you for listening today. We hope that you hear from God and that this podcast encourages you in your faith journey. You can connect with us on social at facebook.com slash PCTRNJ or our Instagram handle, PCTRNJ. Or you can find more information or resources at PCTR.org. Have a great day. Peace. As we move into our message this evening, I'm wondering how many puzzle people we have in the room. Anybody puzzle people? There's a few hands that are being volunteered. Yeah, okay, good. So Everett, our youngest, is, uh, I mean, he is just a puzzle machine. He loves puzzles. He has for so long, and he's really good at putting them together. He's not as good at putting them away. And so, yesterday, he got to the end of a puzzle, and as happens when you're not so good at putting them away, there was a piece missing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. That pain, the, you know the frustration. You know the difficulty. You know the heartache. You know how, how challenging that can be. You've got this beautiful puzzle, and it's incomplete. And, and then I found out that he was pulling my leg. <laughs> He had been hiding the piece. (laughs) And so the, the joke was truly on me. But like a puzzle where we need every piece, we need every single person here and across the body of Christ in order to live out the mission that God has given his church. And that's what we're talking about this evening as we continue our series, Go and Serve Together. This series that we've been in for a few weeks and we're going to continue for a number of weeks more comes to us primarily out of John chapter 20, verse 21, where Jesus had his disciples and said to them, As the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. In that, we see that God is a sending God. That's really what mission means, to send. And so God the Father sent Jesus Christ the Son to save the world, to give his life as a ransom for many, to give his life so that we could have forgiveness of sin and reconciliation, so that we could have confidence that ultimately justice would be served and there would be restoration of all things, that Jesus would bring his kingdom. Well, Jesus, after his death and his resurrection, ascended to heaven so that he could send his spirit. So he sent once again his spirit to us, the followers of Jesus, and then we, equipped with his spirit, have been sent into the world to continue the work that Jesus began, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, that hope that we have in him, to the broken places of the world so that there can be healing to all things that sin has devastated and destroyed. So, as the Father sent Jesus, so he has sent us into the world. And in order to live this calling out and this mission out, we need each and every one of us. And so we're going to jump into that this evening through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and getting into the very beginning of 13. And if you'd like, you can follow along on the screen. Let's listen. Let's lean in as we seek to hear God's word for us today. 
Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that it, its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And let's pray as we move into this word together. Heavenly Father, in these moments as we seek to hear from you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be moving among us, that you would be speaking. Lord, I pray that if anything I say is not from you, you would cause it to be forgotten, to fall away, because, Lord, all we want is your word for us. And we need your spirit in order for us to hear it, to receive it, to apply it, to live it out by faith. Lord, it's in Jesus' name that we trust as we pray. Amen. So if you've been around a church for a while, this metaphor probably is not an unfamiliar one. He begins with a very simple metaphor talking about the followers of Jesus calling us one body. And it's very simple because we all have a body, so we kind of get it, right? It's like 
Here's your reference point. Just kind of look at yourself. And yet it's simple, but it's so profound. Because as Paul referred to in the beginning of this passage, he says that yeah, Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free, are all part of one body. There's these categories, these are just the two categories he chose in this moment, are huge disparities. Huge. Huge disparities between Jew and Gentile about what they customarily thought or culturally thought or religiously thought it meant to have access to God. The Jews would have had access to God. They could have gone into the temple. They could worship. Well, the Gentiles could not. They were on the outside, always on the outside looking in. And in the early days of the church, this is one of the huge problems that had to be overcome. Lots of people felt like the Gentiles had to become Jews before they could become Christians. And so there was this huge divide that for generation after generation, the Jewish people weren't allowed to go into a Gentile home. And the Gentiles looked down their noses on these Jews who they thought were just simply arrogant. And, and so there was always this division. Well, and then you think about the other comparison he makes, slaves and free. I mean, hard to think about much bigger of a difference. Folks that had nothing really of their own, were indebted, were constantly having to take the orders rather than being able to give, not having autonomy, not having their own independence, and those who did, the free. And so in Christ's body, even those huge disparities don't matter. They're no longer relevant. Because only in Christ's body is, are all of those disparities become irrelevant, right? Because ultimately, we come to God through Jesus Christ. If Jesus is the reason that we have forgiveness and not our ability to keep the religious law or the tradition or to be good enough or whatever it is, if our only hope is in Jesus, well, that means all of our hope is in Jesus, that means whether or not the person next to you is more kind or more patient or more gentle or more humble or more generous than you, it actually is irrelevant because neither of you has access to God except for through Jesus Christ. And so it is an absolute leveling of the playing field. And at the same time, all are saved by that same grace, that same love of God for us. And so all are valued. And so these were the dividing lines then. But man, humans don't change all that much, do we? Because we still have plenty of dividing lines now where there seems to be these huge disparities and thoughts about who's in and who's out and who's worthy and unworthy and who's good and who's bad. And so, you know, so we've got jets and giants and eagles. So, and... And, and chargers and broncos and, you know, the, the rest of us that are on the outside looking in. But, right? And we've got political parties that seem to have deeper allegiance than our primary allegiance to Christ sometimes. We've got this race or that race. We've got economic spheres and huge disparities. 
The white collar, the blue collar, the haves, the have-nots. We've got the educated and the uneducated. We've got lots of disparities and lots of ways of looking sideways and down our nose at one another. And it happens inside Jesus' church and outside. But in Christ, all of that means nothing. Because we're one body. Each brought together by our need for a Savior. Each brought together by our sinfulness. And the more and more we grasp with our, grapple with our own sinfulness and understand that, then we'll finally be humble enough to realize that the person who we disagree with or have disparity from, that no longer matters a whole lot. And so we're united in our humility, but we are also united in being elevated, brought into this family, this body of Christ, where we each have an incredible value, which means the person that you may not like a whole lot has this infinite value in the universe. And so do you. And so there is this incredible leveling of humility and this elevating all together at once in the body. But I hear from so, so many people, and I think some of you may have even said, but I don't feel very valuable. I feel very valuable in life or in the body. You know, you might, you might be like Paul's example where he says, you know, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Right? That, that foot doesn't feel nearly as valuable as the hands. Or that ear doesn't feel as valuable as the eye or whatever it is. Or you don't feel very valuable because you don't have those whatever gifts that you think are the, the better gifts. I don't, I'm not that valuable. I don't have all that much to offer. Last week we talked about the reality of the spiritual gifts that come as you receive the primary gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. You have that primary gift and he wants to manifest his strength, his power, his gifts through you. And so you have that value. You have something significant to offer, but part of our problem is we look at gifts and we start comparing. We start comparing ourselves to other people and we start going, well, I don't, I don't speak like that. You know, and Paul's point is, if every part had the same gift, the body would cease to be a body, right? It would, I mean, just take a second and try to visualize the picture. Instead of a body, just see a billion ears stuck together. Just picture it for a second, right? That, that is the picture he wants you to have when we start going, man, I wish I had that gift. And then everybody else says, yeah, that gift. I want that gift. We should all have the same gift. Man, I'll tell you what, if we all had the gift of preaching, God save us. <laughs> right? We'd never, we'd never actually hear one another. We'd talk at each other all the time. Right? That, that there is this incredible place that you have in the body of Christ that is your place. Oh, but I'm just a gallbladder. I'm a spleen. I'm a whatever it is. And yeah, good. I don't know what those do in the physical body, but God put them there for a reason. Some of them we take out and it's like, I guess we can survive without that. But 
God put it there in the first place, so it probably would have been better to keep it. Right? But see, when, when you opt out of participating fully in the mission, in the sentness, in the going, in the mission of the body of Christ, we're going without a gallbladder, we're going without a knee, we're going without our shoulders, we're going without our elbows. I mean, this is a great time of year to start picturing this. Just picture zombies at Halloween with their bodies all floppy like this because we're missing you. Every part of the body is absolutely critical to the mission that God has given us to do because you have gifts that the people next to you don't have. You have a perspective that the people next to you don't have. You have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit and may have a word from God that the people next to you don't have. And we need to hear from you. And we need you. And in this go and serve together, this is not just a series. If you have been with us a while, you know this is so much more than that. That this is a season of intentionality, of stepping out. And we've, we've put together these groups that are meeting throughout the week that are discerning where, Holy Spirit, would you have us serve? Who would you have us go and serve? And that in the first couple weeks of November, we're going to actually go and serve. We're going to do it. And, and you may not have jumped into a group. And that's okay. Okay? Know that. And we need you. Because if we go and serve without you, then we're going to have some things missing. And you might be like, wow, but I, I'm not able. I'm not physically able. You know, this is, this, is for, this is for those younger people or those healthier people. Now, this is for the body of Christ. Well, but, but what can I do? What, can I, what do I have to contribute? Well, what part of the body are you? I mean, the reality is you may not be physically able, but you might have years and years of wisdom that, man, <laughs> we could benefit from. Years of walking with Christ, years of trying to live out your faith in a world that has been challenging to do so, years of sharing your faith with people that maybe didn't even want to know. And we can learn from your wisdom. We can learn how you held on to your faith through darkness and crisis. And so when we go out into the world and we face challenges, then we can remember, oh, okay. I, I too can hold on to that faith because they did. There might, there might be, as the weeks unfold with this, there might be tasks that you can do in the background if you have, you have a desire to do things. And we're going to hear from groups as they are discerning in the next week or so what it is they're specifically going to do. And there might be opportunities for you to come alongside a group. And if nothing else, your prayer your prayer. Please pray for these groups. If you're in a group, pray for the other groups. Because what we're doing is we're trying to say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Where do you want to send us? Where do you want us to go? Who do you want us to go to? And unless the Holy Spirit shows up, we're going to find ourselves going places and doing things, but it won't have the impact to point people to Jesus the way we want to. And so pray. Pray as they go. Pray with fervor. Pray for those that we're going to serve. Pray that this would be so much more than just projects, that this would also be the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing through us as a congregation, that we would want to be a part of what the Holy Spirit's doing each and every day well beyond these, these projects over these weeks. Pray together. We can each do that.
You can do that even if you're really, really busy. There's moments here and there. And, and Paul keeps going because he knows on one hand some of us just don't feel very valuable. He also knows on the other hand some of us have a tendency to look around and go, man, I don't know why that person's here. That might be you. At times it's me. Because we have a tendency to look down our nose at people. We don't necessarily know their story. We don't understand necessarily why they do what they do, do or don't do. And, you know, we might feel like, man, I'm out here like a, like a hand doing all this work. And look at them. They're sitting back there like, you know, they're the stomach. They just get to get fed the whole time. Paul says, we can't say to one another, we don't need you. We can't say to any part of the body, we don't need you. But man, we live in an increasingly competitive world, don't we? Where so much of the world, the soup that we're swimming in is a competitive, at the core, it's competitive. It's almost like the, a giant marketplace where every moment of your life is being looked at by other people, and you find yourself having to advertise, promote yourself, figure out a way to curate such an identity or a presentation so that everybody in your life will see you, value you, celebrate you. This is what social media is thriving on. It's also, you know, so it's about getting likes on social media. It's about promotions at jobs. It's about class ranks as we pit one another against the others. It's about bidding wars on homes and who's able and who's not. It is a competition-based world that we live in, and it's seeping into our soul. And so we look and we kind of gauge, we look around at people and we say, okay, I'm better than that one, I'm less than that one. I'm better than this one, I'm less than that one. I'm better than this one, less than that one. And we try to find our place. And Paul is saying, just stop. Remember, in Christ, none of us are better or worse than the other. When our identity is built on the salvation and the hope that we have in a God who loves us, not in our ability or lack thereof, then we get to be free from all that competition. But man, so much of us are, so much of, I believe why we're getting so much angst is because we're trying to curate an identity that's so presentable and celebratable to the world. And if, if for some reason we're failing to get the feedback that we want that says, yes, you're incredible and valuable and better than everybody else, then we start to feel less than. And so we redouble our efforts, and we redouble our efforts, and we redouble our efforts, and we keep trying and trying and trying and failing, and we're on a, a hamster wheel that will never stop trying to show the world that, love me, I'm valuable. And Paul's just saying, be free from that stuff. You are loved and valuable in the body of Christ. There's nothing else you have to do. And in the body of Christ, man, we have an opportunity to help break one another free from this pattern, which is just raining on us. Right? We're living in this world that's just raining. Like all of our lives are about having to maximize value and, and satisfaction and happiness and joy and fullness. And so everything we do is ramped up with all this pressure. Got to be the perfect parents. Got to be the perfect grandparents. Got to have this perfect job. Got to have a perfect house. Got to have a perfect schedule. Man, we can, we can, it's just, it's the rain that's falling on us constantly. We can free each other from this trap. 
by valuing each other like every part of the body of Christ. Rather than just valuing those things that are beautiful or powerful, rather than valuing the things that the world values like money, charisma. The Corinthians valued the ecstatic gifts of the Spirit. Speaking in tongues was particularly one of their favorites. And Paul continued to put it, he didn't say, hey, it's not good. He just continued to put it at the end of the list and say, you know, don't worry about that one so much. In this passage, he says, desire the greater gifts, the ones that are going to build each other up, the ones that are going to demonstrate your love. See, we value in the body of Christ, we can value what seems to be, according to the world, the least, the lesser than, and be held up. Grayson Thuman was a, a senior at a high school in Texas, and you may have heard this story earlier this year because it hit the national news, but one day he was walking through his hallways and he saw Mr. James, who was one of the custodians, and he noticed that he was struggling with kind of the normal, kind of basic tasks of his job, and he asked him why he was here. Was it because he wanted to be or because he had to be? And learned that it was really necessity that this 80-year-old man had come out of retirement to come work every day. And so Grayson decided to start a GoFundMe page as a way to try to come alongside this man that he really didn't know very well. And in the course of one week, he raised over $270,000. And on that GoFundMe page, blown away by this, he wrote this. He said, you all have shown what can happen when everyone gets together to help others. I think God did this to show that no matter how much evil there is, good will always show itself. Right? That this valuing, even what seems to be the least when we come together, can lift another up. And Mr. James, for his part, knowing he saw this money in this GoFundMe account, knew it was coming to him, he, he just kept showing up to work, at least for a while. And his reasoning was because he wanted to show these young people what a work ethic looked like. Because he had something to show, that he wasn't looking for handouts, that he had something from his wisdom of his years to pass on that was invaluable to them. There's something valuable that each has to offer, to bring, to give. And in the body, we can value each and every part, even the, what seems to be by the outside world to be the least. Which is part of why I kept, kept this passage moving into chapter 13. And if you've been to a wedding in the last ever, <laughs> you probably heard that piece of chapter 13 where... You know, Paul begins his beautiful chapter on love that, you know, if, if you can speak in tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, you are nothing but a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. And Paul lifts up in this passage, he says, hey, these incredible gifts, the greater gifts, yeah, those are fine, but if you do not have love behind them, underneath them, motivating them, flowing through them, then they're nothing but a bunch of noise. Because what matters more than the gifts is the character 
What matters more than the abilities, the things that we would aim at accomplishing is the way that we do them. Is it because we love or is it because we want to feel good about ourselves? And man, when we think about going and serving, this is so dangerous. Because it's often very tempting to see ourselves when you're the one serving somebody else as up here and them down there. And so the act of service really can be about look how good I am. Look how great I feel about doing this. This is, this is so wonderful. And all we're doing is reinforcing, yes, I am one of the greater parts of the body. I'm not a spleen. Right? And we can get puffed up with this self-righteousness and this arrogance. And we can make the act of service into serving ourselves, not serving those that we're moving toward. Paul's saying, Beyond your abilities, beyond what you can accomplish, beyond any of these things, focus on love. Seek their highest good, not your own. Seek what God wants for them, not what you want for you. And together, when we love each other that way, the world will notice. When we love other people that way, the world will notice. There is a qualitative difference the task may be the same, but the way it's carried out and the experience that people have is absolutely different. The work that the Hope Center does is meeting those who are really right on the brink economically. The working poor, the homeless, those who, who just can't make ends meet. And so they do a lot of the things that other social service agencies do where they will help with utility assistance and food and rental and mortgage assistance and things, trying to help people move toward their greatest level of sustainability. But here's what the Hope Center does that's unique. Listens to each and every one of their stories. That intake is so much more than the details of, okay, how much do you have? How much don't you have? What it's going to take to take the next step? It's What's going on in your life? How did you end up here? It's seeing and giving the dignity and the honor and the love to the other person who's struggling, who's coming in in vulnerability. It's acknowledging their humanity. It's holding them up and, and cherishing them, even as trying to figure out, is there anything that we can do tangibly to help? I don't know, but we can at least listen and love them that way. There's a qualitative difference when serving in love. And so we together, when we work together, we can do things that we can't do individually. Right? We can accomplish things when we work together that could never be done by ourselves. There's so many examples of this in life. You can't, you can't have a, be the only one on a football team. Just ask Daniel Jones. You end up on your back a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right? the, we need one another to accomplish something great. We need one another to go and serve, to move toward a world that needs to know there's a God that loves them. I just want to give you one more story that is just so beautiful from this last week that, to, to put this point home. I, I went to a, a vigil this past Wednesday at Temple Beth M. Shalom in Lakewood. And it was this incredible coming together of people throughout the community. Of course, so many Jewish people 
in their pain and their grief and their heartache, seeking consolation, seeking support, seeking comfort. And there was, you know, there was a, a bunch of rabbis that spoke and there were songs that were sung and prayers that were sung. And, and one of the rabbis stood up. I, I missed his name, unfortunately. I believe he was from Long Beach Island. He shared a story of his cousin, who's a 32-year-old woman with two young kids that lives in Israel. And he was able to get a hold of her on Tuesday. And her, her husband is in the military, and so he, of course, was off away. So you can imagine her worry for him. And, and she and the kids, they were, and maybe they still are, sheltering in place in their apartment. And so she's trying to keep them busy and keep her mind busy. And out the window, she relayed that she saw this couple and started to inquire, what are they doing? What are they up to? And, and in the course of this conversation, she finds out that they want to get married. But they don't have any family in this town. And of course, with all of the chaos, they're not sure how that's going to ever be possible anytime soon. And so she decides to call her friends. And she called her best friends and, and half a dozen maybe or so of her best friends and they were able to get a rabbi and they threw a wedding in the midst of the chaos with decorations and cake. Right, they brought the rabbi to make it official. But she couldn't have done that on her own. She couldn't have thrown a wedding on her own. Only together were they able to bless this couple. Only together were they able to serve in this beautiful way. Only together could they pull together the decorations. Could they make enough of the food. Only together could they create an atmosphere of celebration. Only together with the rabbi could they make this wedding official. Only together could they serve these people. And no one would have blamed them for just putting their heads down and keeping to themselves. But together, they blessed this couple in a profound way. They served. <laughs> they loved. See, together, if we're willing to see, if we're willing to go out of our way and be inconvenienced, if we're willing to recognize the gifts that each and every one of us has to offer, if we're willing to put aside competition and the need to get credit, if we're willing to allow others to come along with us, together we can be a blessing in the world. Together we can serve in profound ways that can point to Jesus, that can bring healing and hope and restoration. Together we go and serve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an honor it is to be your body, that body of Christ. <laughs> Nothing that we have done has merited our place, only what Jesus has done for us. May that continue to bring humility to us, but also a sense of honor and value and worth for ourselves and for one another. That we can be free from competition and envy free from the insecurity of feeling inadequate and invaluable, free to see others, to serve others in love, to serve one another in love, and to serve the world that you came to, Jesus, to give your life for. Help us to see our worth and the worth of every one of us. Help us to say yes in whatever way we can, because each and every one of us 
is an essential and critical part of your body and your mission. In Jesus' name, amen.